السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين وابن سيد المؤمنين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to episode number 12 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Wa'ala Marwan The first of the specific la'ans that took place was covered in our last episode, Ala Ziyad, which this family tree of Ziyad revolves around that individual, Ziyad ibn Abi. The next family that is mentioned here is Alu Marwan. Alu Marwan, as the name shows us, revolves around this individual by the name of Marwan. So we want to get to know about him. He's a very controversial figure, uh, especially in the Shi'i school of thought. But before speaking about him, let us speak about his father a little bit, and then we can get to the son. Marwan's father, his name is Hakam bin Abi Al-As. This Hakam, he also happens to be the uncle of Uthman bin Affan, the third Khalifa. So in other words, Hakam is the brother of Affan, who in turn is the father of Uthman. Before becoming Muslim, this Hakam, it is said that he is the one who spilled sheep guts on the Prophet while the Prophet was praying. It's been also narrated that he tied his nephew, Uthman, with a rope and said he won't free him until he denounces his faith, he denounces his Islam. It's also said that he conspired to kill the Prophet and he's one of the ones who surrounded the Prophet's house that night on Laylatul Mabit where Imam Ali slept in the place of the Holy Prophet So that's a little bit of you know what he did before becoming Muslim. But as we all know, a time came where all of these arch enemies of Islam had to embrace the faith. People like Abu Sufyan, people like this Hakam. When they saw that it's either this or they're in big trouble, they embraced Islam by force. He's one of them, Hakam bin Abi Al-As. So he embraces Islam, but everyone, it is said that everyone looked at him as a hypocrite. And so he goes from Mecca to Medina. In Medina, of course, the Prophet ﷺ is living there. And you would think that he would be appreciate, appreciative of the Prophet ﷺ in the fact that the Prophet spared him his life and allowed him to just embrace Islam and get off the hook. But that wasn't the case. And so it's been narrated that he would mimic the Prophet in his walking. He would make fun of him with his nose and his eyes and hands. And one time when he's doing this, the Prophet curses him in that moment and he stays like that in that state that he had whether it was in his face or whatever it was that gesture he was making maybe with his hand or with his face his face stayed like that or his hand stayed like that for the rest of his life until he died it is said that he would disclose confidential and secret information the Prophet would share with his companions regarding the mushrikeen and the Quraysh and the munafiqeen so this is this is not this is not normal. This is not something acceptable. These are not little things that can be overlooked. 
In one story, it says that he looked through a crack into the home of the Prophet, and the Prophet he comes out and he says, Is there anyone to save me from the mischief of this individual? And it reaches the point where the Prophet um, it just expels him from Medina, and, and he's sent to Ta'if because of all these problems that he's causing. And that is why he's also called the Tarid, the expelled one. And we also have that the Prophet had cursed him and his family. So this is during the Prophet's time after he has become Muslim. Of course, as I said, by force. After the Prophet though, during the time of the first Khalifa, um, as I said, he was living outside of Medina, right? Because the Prophet had expelled him. So they want to bring him back into Medina. So Uthman, his nephew, goes and intercedes um, and asks Abu Bakr, the first Khalifa, to allow his uncle to come back to Medina. And Abu Bakr says, no, I can't return the Prophet, uh, return the one the Prophet expelled from Medina back to Medina. I can't do that. After Abu Bakr, Uthman goes to Umar and asks that he do the same thing and he also turns him down. But the time comes when Uthman himself is Khalifa. And so he brings him back and he makes him in charge of collecting zakat from certain tribes. And when he collected the zakat, some reports say that Uthman gave him a lot of the, a lot of the silver coins that he had collected. One report says 300,000 of the silver coins. Now, brothers and sisters, before I go on, we have to understand that uh, not everyone will, will share the same sentiments that we do in regards to this individual maybe and or will not accept the stories that I just mentioned some of um, for example this last one they might not accept them but these are things that we will find our scholars have um, come to and have taught us in their works alright moving on to now if this was Hakam he's the father of Marwan he is problematic, and I don't even think there are going to be too many people that will, you know, think of him and look at him fondly. But let's move on to Marwan himself now. Marwan is a little bit different. I'm going to say this right now. Marwan is seen um, as one of the Sahaba of Rasulullah He will be revered as such, and hailed as one of those companions of Rasulullah. Not in the Shi'i school of thought, though. In the Shi'i school of thought, he is a very, very, very controversial figure. But in the Sunni school of thought, you will find, um, and I think it's safe to say that in mainstream even uh, Sunni school of thought, he will be hailed as one of the companions of Rasulullah So I want us to understand that uh, what is being mentioned and explained here is going to be sheerly, a sheerly Shi'i perspective of things. Okay, so let's talk about Marwan when he's born. When he's born, it has been narrated that the Prophet ﷺ said when Hakam, Marwan's father, passed by him, that woe unto my ummah from that which is in this man's loin. So this child that's born from Hakam, this is how the Prophet is referring to him. He's saying woe unto the ummah, the ummah, the nation, the Islamic nation, woe unto them because of who is going to be born from this man. And so when Marwan is born, it says that they brought him to the Prophet just like they would with other babies as well. So the Prophet would bless the child or maybe name the child. So they brought him to the Prophet. The Prophet said he is Mal'un, son of Mal'un. He is the accursed son of the accursed. 
So let's fast forward now, Marwan after the Holy Prophet He was the son-in-law of Uthman. He marries the daughter of Uthman. Some even say and believe that he kind of caused the death of Uthman. There's a long story um, behind that, but I, I'm not going to get into. But even in Nahjul Balagha, Imam Ali is warning Uthman of the vice of Marwan. The fact that some believe that Marwan was involved in that letter that was intercepted from Medina to Egypt. It was intercepted in which that letter on behalf of Uthman and in the name of Uthman, they had said in that letter that these people, that the, the, the ones who had surrounded the home of Uthman should be killed. It's a long story I, I don't want to get into right now. But one of the reasons why the people came back to Medina after they had left people who were revolting against Uthman during his time, they came back after Ali ibn Abi Talib had convinced them to leave, they came back and surrounded his his home again, Uthman's home again, and eventually it led to the assassination of Uthman. Some believe that Marwan had to do something with that letter that was intercepted, the letter that said, kill these people when they get back to Egypt. Marwan, they say, had something to do with that, and he had used the stamp of Uthman to falsely fabricate this letter but that as i said these are all stories that have their own details we don't have time to get into i'm just trying to give an overview of this individual the battle of jamal he was involved there so when ali ibn Abi talib becomes khalifa after uthman is assassinated he flees to aisha in mecca and he was with the army of basra he is one of the ones that surrounded the home of uthman bin hanif or some might call him uthman bin hunayf um and uh, tortured him and had a lot to do with that. And you know, they say that Uthman bin Hunayf's beard and hair and eyebrows and everything were plucked by these individuals. In other words, he was tortured. Yes, so he was, they say he was involved in that. He was a commander in Jamal. He was protecting Aisha. Some even believe, and this is not a mainstream view, but some even believe that he shot an arrow at Talha when Talha was leaving the battlefield and killed Talha. Um, so there's a, this is a lot of stuff that is attributed to him. And so in the Battle of Jamal, he becomes prisoner. He's taken prisoner. And he is interceded for, some say by Imam Hassan and Imam Hussein, because he pleads to them, like, please free me. Ask your father to let me go. And so them, being the kind individuals they are, they ask their father for this. Some say, no, it was Ibn Abbas who interceded for him, not al Hassanain. But anyway, uh, Imam Ali, alayhi salam, he pardons him. And he's, but he speaks about this in Nahjul Balagha Sermon 72. You can go and uh, refer to that and see what he says about how this individual cannot be trusted. So after he is pardoned, he goes back to Medina and then he joins Muawiyah eventually. So in the Battle of Safin, this person is on the side of Muawiyah. Now these are details that cannot be denied, brothers and sisters. I, you know, As I said, we're looking at it from a Shi'i perspective and the analysis that we're going to do is going to be a, Sh a Shia one. But all in all, these are things that everyone knows. Marwan was in the Battle of Jamal fighting against Ali ibn Abi Talib, is pardoned. Instead of showing his appreciation, now he's in the, on the side of Muawiyah in the Battle of Safin. And so it is said that um, he was carrying Uthman's sword. Everything about Uthman was used as a justification, brothers and sisters, to fight Ali ibn Abi Talib. Some, you know, have used, they used his bloody shirt, Uthman's bloody shirt, as an excuse to fight Ali. The finger or fingers of the wife of Uthman 
That's also another one. Because those her fingers were chopped off in the raid of his home. And so they used that as an excuse to like uh, evoke the emotions of the people so that they fight against Ali. Here it says the sword of Uthman. He was carrying the sword of Uthman. And once again, probably to evoke the emotions of the people, remind the people how brutally Uthman had been killed. And it's as if Ali had something to do with it or Ali didn't want to avenge the death of Uthman. There's actually one also narration that says that, or one account that says that he tells Muawiyah that I, I'm going to fight Ali. Even if I get killed, it's okay. But I'm going to fight Ali in Safin. <laughs> but of course, uh, I don't think that ever happened or else he wouldn't have lived afterwards. So that's uh, him during Imam Ali's time, some of the things that we have in history. Then we have after Imam Ali, during Imam Hassan's time. For six years, so this is after the ceasefire with Muawiyah. Imam Hassan is living in Medina. For six years, he was the governor of Medina and would curse Imam Ali on the minbar every Jum'ah. And Imam Hassan would tell him not to. Now here, some will not believe that this happened, but we have enough evidence and sources that, this, that Marwan was this type of individual and he was doing these things. And it's no surprise, I mean, if he's fighting against him in Jamal and Safin, you can tell that he's not a big fan of Imam Ali, salam, of course. When Imam Hassan became shaheed, and was poisoned, Marwan was one of the ones, if not the only one, who didn't allow for him to be buried next to the Prophet. And they forced Imam Hassan to be buried outside of the Rauda of uh, Rasulullah and he was buried in the in Jannatul Baqi'ah. So Marwan during Mu- Muawiyah's time also doesn't look too good. Muawiyah gives him Fadak when he becomes Khalifa when uh, Muawiyah becomes Khalifa, but then he takes it back from him years later. And so over the years, Marwan, he is made governor of Medina, then he loses his position. Then until, it happens apparently several times even. And until Walid bin Utbah bin Abi Sufyan becomes governor, and then of course Muawiyah dies after that, and Walid is the one who is asked by Yazid to get bay'ah from Imam Hussein So that's Marwan in Muawiyah's time. He's governor of Medina. Things like that are happening. Now Marwan in Yazid's time, although he's not governor of Medina anymore and Walid bin Utbah is governor, when the letter comes from Sham that take bay'ah from Imam Hussein and two other individuals, Abdullah bin Zubair and Abdullah bin Umar, Marwan's not governor at that time, but he's there next to the governor when this letter is is there, is, is reached him. And when Imam Hussein is summoned and Imam Hussein comes to the palace and they try to get bay'ah, Marwan is there in all of this. And so when Imam Hussein says, give me some time and uh, I'll get back to you, and the governor allows Imam Hussein that time and gives him that permission to go, Marwan is the one who gestures to the Khalifa, to the governor and tells him, he says, look, if you let Hussein go, you're not going to get bay'ah from him. It's either now or never. So do it, even if it means like killing Imam Hussein And so that's where there's a little scuffle, or not a scuffle, but Imam Hussein raises his voice over Marwan. He says, who's going to kill me? Are you going to kill me? Is he going to kill me? Who's going to kill me? And so the Banu Hashim storm the palace because they hear Imam Hussein's voice rising. And so they, they, they're afraid that something's going to happen. They come in and the Imam had told them to rush in if his voice goes up. So Marwan is the one who's telling Walid to kill Hussein that night. Not a very uh, bright report card, I would say. And he runs into Imam Hussein the next day and tells him and pushes Imam Hussein to 
Give bay'ah to Yazid. Give bay'ah to Yazid. It's better for you. <laughs> Give allegiance to him. It's better for your deen and dunya. And of course, the Imam, he says those famous lines, وَعَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ السَّلَامِ إِذْ Yazid That farewell to Islam, if Yazid is going to be the leader of this ummah. During the tragedy of Harra, where Medina is attacked due to the fact that the Medinans had kicked out the Banu Umayyah that were ruling over there, Marwan flees Medina as well, but he leaves his family with who? None other than Imam Sajjad You are an enemy of Ahlul Bayt, you don't like them, but then you trust them so much that, uh, it's very ironic, ironic, that you trust them so much that you leave your family with them. Like what is wrong with you? Either you don't like them and stay away from them, or you like them and you are with them. Which one? Choose. You can't dislike them but be with them when you need them. Anyway, he leaves his family, his wife, Aisha bint Uthman, which is the daughter of Uthman. He leaves her with Imam Sajjad and his family and he himself flees Medina so that the army of Sham can come and attack the Medinans. And that's what happened in the tragedy of Harra. So this Marwan fled Medina. He promised the Medinans that he's going to go, he's going to mind his own business, he's not going to come back. But he comes back with the army of Sham. He comes back with the army of Sham in the tragedy of Harra and three days of massacre, of rape and of all the tragedies you can think of take place in Medina. But this man had come back with the army of Sham. And this is what this is so unacceptable. Breaking promise after promise. And so he's expelled after all of this. He's expelled from Medina by Abdullah bin Zubair. So this is like we're fast forwarding now a little bit. Abdullah bin Zubair expels him from Medina to Sham again. He stays there until Muawiyah II, which is Muawiyah, son of Yazid, son of Muawiyah, dies. Now here is a turning point in the history of Khilafah. Why? Because Muawiyah I, son of Abu Sufyan, then Yazid, were Khalifa, then Muawiyah, son of Yazid, son of Muawiyah, becomes Khalifa. He's not interested in all of this. He relinquishes Khilafah. He leaves Khilafah. And he dies a quick death actually, which is kind of mysterious. But anyway, now Khilafah is kind of up for grabs. The children of Abu Sufyan, which were from the clan of Banu Umayyah, were passing this Khilafah on to each other, correct? Muawiyah took it, gave it to Yazid. Yazid gave it to his son Muawiyah. But here, all of a sudden, when Muawiyah, Muawiyah II relinquishes this, who is there to take it for himself? It is Marwan bin Hakam. So you have the Banu Umayyah still in power, but the Khilafah goes from Bani Sufyan to Marwan. And after him, it stays with Bani Marwan and the sons of Marwan for the longest time. So Marwan, he takes on the Khilafah for a year. Now he was a little old at that time. And so when his Khalifa he dies after a year of Khilafah. There are different accounts of why he died. One account is that he had insulted the son of Yazid, Khalid. And so Khalid's mother, who is now married to Marwan, the, the widow of Yazid. So Yazid dies, correct? His wife, uh, his wife, which is the mother of Khalid, is married to Marwan. 
Marwan insults Khalid. Yazid's ex-wife or widow, who is now Marwan's wife, she is offended by this. She is upset by this. How dare you insult my son Khalid? And so it says that she suffocated him because he was old and feeble. Suffocated him with a pillow. That is one account. Another account is that, no, he was just poisoned. Whatever it is, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter. What matters is the track record of this individual. It is not the best of track records. It is one of the worst I personally have ever seen. This person was, it seems, was never on the right side. Yet I do have to mention once again that he is going to be revered as a companion of Rasulullah in uh, the Sunni school of thought. So anyway, the fourth Khalifa of Banu Umayyah all the way to the 13th Khalifa of Banu Umayyah, they are all Marwanites. And they are all Alu Marwan. And so with this, we understand why the Imam in this ziyarah, he says, well, after he says, ala ziyad, he says, ala Marwan. The whole clan, the whole tree of Marwan. That was his father, Hakim. That was the son, Marwan. And of course, the children of Marwan that come after uh, were also people who committed dhulm towards the Ahlul Bayt alayhimu salam. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa'ala